and do not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. You're doing well, keeping those arms down. It's good. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, did you listen to the story? Does anybody here know a song that goes with that story? Thinking? A number of years ago, there was a book, uh, a business book, which came out, which was called Built to Last. Uh, It was the result of a study which was done over a number of different years over companies, on companies um, that had survived uh, for many years, for many decades. I think the average uh, length of time that a company had been around was over 100 years. These companies had survived and the depression, and wars, and cultural change, and technology advances. But yet throughout it all, they had survived. And they hadn't just survived, these companies had thrived. They had changed, and grown, and expanded, and they had made money. And so the author of that book, a guy called Jim Collins, he studied these companies And he pulled out from them the common threads. What were the things about those businesses which enabled them to survive and thrive for so many years? What was it about those businesses and those companies that made them built to last? Well, today as we get to the end of Jesus' sermon in Luke chapter 6, a sermon about the kingdom Jesus tells a story about houses which are built to last. Houses which can stand a storm and a flood. And he's very clear on what the difference is between a house that is built to last and a house that is in ruins. But Jesus, as we know, is not giving us building tips. He's talking about kingdom lives, lives that live in God's kingdom, lives that are built to last or built to ruin, and he's very clear on what the difference is. Now, last week, we had a look at verses 43 to 45. You remember verses in which Jesus talks about the need for good fruit which comes from good hearts filled with good treasure. New hearts, which want to love God and be a part of his kingdom, and new lives, which produce that good fruit, that obedience, uh, those good words. And today we're going to have a look at what it takes for those new hearts, those good hearts, to produce that good fruit. 
And as we look at the story that Jesus told and what he was talking about, we want to have a look at two builders, two foundations, and two results. So let's start off with the two builders that we have here. Two people that Jesus says go about building their homes. And we assume as they begin that they both want homes that are comfortable, that are nice, that are attractive. They both want homes in which they and their families can live in. Now, in a moment, we're going to have a look at the major difference between them. But before we do that, let's notice that there's some similarities. Because Jesus says that these two house builders are like two people building their lives. Two people who are creating life for themselves, life within the kingdom of God. And these two life builders, they have something in common. Both of them acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Notice that that's how Jesus starts his story here in verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Both life builders acknowledge Jesus as somebody awesome, as Lord, as someone who has authority over their lives, as someone who should be listened to. This is not the difference between the person who says, yay, Jesus, and the person who says, I don't want anything to do with him. This is not the difference between somebody who, who comes to church and somebody who wants nothing to do with church. This is not the difference between somebody who grows up in a Christian family and surrounded by Christian influence and the person who doesn't. Both life builders come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. That's not the difference between a life built to last and a life in ruins. Neither is the difference that one of them gets to hear the words of Jesus and the other does not. Look at how Jesus starts, both of them. He says, I will show you, uh, everyone who comes to me and hears my words. And then he says about the other one, but the one who hears, both of them have heard the words of Jesus. And as Jesus is preaching the sermon there in Luke chapter 6, and he's talking to the people around about him, he's talking to them. You've all heard my words. That sermon, maybe they'd heard other teachings from Jesus before. Today, he would be talking about two different types of people, both of them who know the words of Jesus, the word of God. Both of them know the Bible. Both of them know about Jesus and his work. And they know about the gospel. They know about the cross and the empty tomb. They know of Jesus' call to repentance and faith. They know that Jesus calls his people to now live in and live for his kingdom. Hearing the words of Jesus does not make the difference between a life built to last and a life in ruins. Now, I want to labor this point here for a moment. Because we come from and we live in a tradition that very highly values the words of Jesus, the entirety of the word of God. 
We're a, we're a church of the Reformation, aren't we? Which said, by Scripture alone. And we come from a tradition that takes God's Word very seriously. And we want to study it, and we want to know what it says, and we want to make sure that our theology, our faith, and the things that we do are thoroughly based on God's Word. And we live in a church which greatly values the Word of God and holds it up as central. I preach here, and I see lots and lots of engaged faces, and it's awesome. I would hazard a guess that some of the Bible studies or many of the Bible studies that happen within home groups in this church, they go above and beyond what is expected for a home group Bible study. They are good, meaty stuff. We value it when our kids grow up knowing their Bibles. And many of the kids here, you guys, you, you, you know your Bibles and you know the stories and you know the things that it says. Now, I wouldn't want to trade that tradition and that emphasis and that culture for anything. We should be so deeply thankful for that tradition. And we don't want to trade that in for anything. But there is a danger with it. There is the danger that we become these people who just listen. Who think that loving it and hearing it and knowing it is enough. But Jesus is saying, simply hearing does not make the difference between a life built to last, life that ends in ruin. That is what he is going on to talk about next. Because after he talks about two builders, he talks about two different foundations. Now anybody here that's built anything on the ground, a home, a shed, a cubby house, no matter what it is, probably knows a little bit of the difference that a foundation makes. And if you've ever built a home, you know that nervous wait for the engineer's report to tell you what sort of foundation you're going to need because foundations are effort. They're t costly. They take time. And so out of these two, two builders, one of them realizes that he needs a good foundation. And so it tells us that he dug deep and he keeps digging until he hits rock. And on that foundation of rock, he builds his house. He takes the time, he takes the effort, he builds properly. The other does not. It's too much time, it's too much effort. When you put a house up, you really can't see the difference, he figures. And so he just builds his house without a foundation. Jesus says this is the difference between somebody who hears and does and the person who hears and does not. This is the difference between somebody who hears and is challenged and comforted 
and excited and moved and repents and the person who hears and loves it and does nothing. On the one hand, you have the person who hears the gospel and is convicted of sin and repents and believes in Jesus. Who hears about the faithfulness of God to his promises and is comforted and is filled with joy and hope and finds that those other joys and hope are actually less joyous and hopeful than they used to be. Throws their burdens on Jesus. They hear that they're part of a new community and called to love. And so they put aside their love for themselves and they love others. They, they hear a convicted of sin and they turn from it. They confess it. They repent of it. And they turn to Jesus and they experience the wonderful joy of knowing they're forgiven and the wonderful assurance that their sins are washed away. And they hear that all of their life is to be lived for the glory of God. And so they think about their work and their sport and their family and their TV watching and their holidays. And they, they think about what, is, what does it mean to follow Jesus and do all of these things. And they hear about God's great kingdom plan and how they're called to be a part of it by making disciples. And so they make non-Christian friends. And they love them and they serve them and they pray for them and they look for ways to share the gospel with them. And Jesus says they build on a solid foundation. And the other does not. They hear the gospel, the call to repent and believe, and they like it, maybe, but it goes no further. There's no conviction of sin. There's no confession of repentance. There's no assurance of forgiveness. They hear about the faithfulness of God and the way he keeps his promises. They continue to trust themselves. They hear that all of life is to be lived for the glory of God. And they continue to live all of life for their own glory. It's not just saying, Lord, Lord. Jesus says it's not just hearing the words of Jesus. The difference between the one who builds on the good foundation and the one who doesn't is the one who hears and does. And the Now, one day I would, uh, I would really like to be on a cooking show on TV. I used to think that that was uh, as a contestant. One day I'd become a contestant on a cooking show. My wife has told me that's not going to happen. Uh, so I've decided that I'm going to move and I would like to be a judge on a cooking show. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you watch cooking shows. I reckon there are two types of judges. There's the food connoisseur and there's the hungry man. You notice the difference between the two? The food connoisseur, he, he gets the plate and he lifts it up and he sniffs it 
and he cuts off a little bit and he makes sure he gets a little bit of the sauce and a little bit of the Jew and a little bit of everything and he holds it up closely and inspects it and he makes sure all the layers are there and he, he puts it in and he chews it and he, like a fine wine, he swishes it around in his mouth and then he swallows it down. That, that's the one type of judge, isn't there? The other is the hungry man judge. And he tastes something that he likes and he just hoes in, doesn't he? I would be the hungry man judge. I would hoe in and chow down. I would lick my plate on screen. If other judges are not going to finish theirs, I would eat it for them as well. Jesus is warning us here about being word connoisseurs. Those who like to listen and judge. And he's calling us to be hungry eaters of his words. So that when we open up the Bible and you sit there at home, wherever it is that you read it, you read it on your, read it on your phone, that we read praying that the Holy Spirit would bring these words deep into our lives and our hearts and that he would use them to shape us and change us. And then we would read it then, praying that God would reveal himself to us through it. And we'd be asking questions like, what does this tell me about God, about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And what promises does it have that I should be holding on to and hearing and being comforted by? And what priorities does it set for me in my life? And how does this shape the way that I view my relationships and the way that I behave? And are there things in here that I need to repent of? And there are things in here that I need to trust Jesus for rather than myself. And we pray that God brings that word our lives, calls it to mind often. Maybe it helps to take notes or talk to somebody else about it. But we pray when we listen to sermons, we're not to just be word connoisseurs, but hungry eaters. Our response should not be whether that was a good one or not a good one. Did it go too long? Was it too short? Did it have enough good stories? Did it not have enough good stories? We should test the word. We should listen and we should ask the question, is that what God's word is saying? I expect that from us as we listen, that you test what is being said but we don't have roast preacher or roast sermon for lunch on a Sunday. We're not to be word connoisseurs saying whether it's a good one or not a good one, but hungry eaters who ask the question, how would God have me live? How is he encouraging me in my walk? How is he calling us as a church to, to new life and to repentance and faith? And maybe it helps to talk about it with other people after the service. Or we talk about it in the car on the way home. Or we uh, write down some notes from us, particularly the things where God challenges us in it. 
so that we're not just word connoisseurs, but we're hungry eaters. In our Bible studies, in our home groups, we're not to come away just wondering whether the study was a good one or not. Just judging whether the study leader did a good job of it, whether the study material that we had was was on the, na- on the button or not on the button. We're to be hungry eaters of God's word. Building on a solid foundation of hearing, of listening, and obeying. Many of us listen to podcasts, it, it, sermons from all around the world. If there's something that technology has done uh, for the cause of the gospel... In, in such a wonderful way, it's podcasting. Um, we uh, get to hear some of the best sermons from around the world being preached, and you can listen to a sermon an hour if you want to, and it can be good stuff. But there's a danger with podcasting in that it simply makes us sermon connoisseurs. Only listening to the ones that are good. Sometimes the meal we get served up, whether it's on a podcast or whether it's me, sometimes it's gourmet. That's because we get guest preachers sometimes and they're fantastic sermons. Sometimes it's gourmet and every mouthful we take down is just delicious. And our hearts race and we can't, we just wish they wouldn't stop. It is that good. Sometimes we listen to meat and three veg. And it's sustaining. And it's good. It's without wow. And sometimes we even listen to stodgy rice. And it's a bit boring. It doesn't do a heap for us. But there is still something there. Where God is calling us to listen and to obey. When it comes to podcasting, there's a, a danger, I can't believe I say this, that you can listen to too many sermons. And our listening is so wide, but our response is so shallow. Jesus is calling kingdom people who've been given new hearts, good hearts with good treasure, to take his word in and to meditate on it and to think on it and to have it work through our lives and to challenge us and to comfort us and encourage us and shape us so that our kingdom lives are built on a solid foundation because it makes a difference. And that's where Jesus finishes. Two builders, two foundations, Two different results. When it comes to the houses, there are two results that he mentions. But it is not that one of them faces a storm and the other does not. Both houses have a flood. One house stands firm and the other house collapses. In the two lives that are being built, it's important to notice this, both of them face trial and difficulty. 
both of them go through circumstances of hardship. Now, in many ways, I look around here, and I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it again. Being a follower of Jesus and obedient to Jesus does not guarantee a trial-free, storm-free life. Look around this church, and you will see that that is the case. If it were not the case, we would have to conclude that this is the church full of the most disobedient, wicked, unfaithful people that exists because we've had our fair share of storms and continue to have them. Both of them go through it. And neither is the difference that one of them faces the ultimate trial of the return and the judgment of Jesus, and one of them does not. They both face that same trial as well. But one stands firm. And the other has a ruin which is great. For the life that is built without a foundation, when difficulty and trial comes, they will find that the muscle of faith has not been exercised. That there has been no willingness to trust Jesus in obedience. No willingness to put away self-reliance. All the joy and the hope has been found in themselves. And when those things are gone, there is nothing left. No foundation to stand on. It's when those trials come that that house would look fine in good weather. It's found to be without a foundation. And it falls flat on its face. And when the ultimate of trials come, and when Jesus comes back, and he brings judgment on the living and the dead, there is no assurance of salvation. There is no assurance that there is a new heart producing good fruit. This is not saying that you and I, we are saved by our obedience. But our response to God's word will show the condition of our hearts. Now let me just be, uh, give a little warning here. If you're sitting here listening to this, thinking, oh no, I don't even remember what last week's sermon was about, let alone doing anything of it. Oh no, I can think of this time when I was convicted and I, I didn't change. Can I suggest that if you're thinking that way, God's word is working in your heart and he's convicting you and he's calling you to repentance and faith. And that is probably a pretty good sign that you have a good heart that wants to hear and receive God's word and it wants to live it out and it's challenging us and it's calling us to that newness of life. My concern here is for the person who hears this and says, whatever. Or can think of five people who need to hear this, but it does nothing for their own heart. Jesus is warning that your life is built without a foundation. 
your heart may not have been changed. Be careful because trials and the trial is coming. But for those of us whose hearts have been stirred, who have been challenged and confronted, Jesus is telling us so that we build on the solid foundation. He's telling us this because he wants lives, kingdom lives, that face trial and hardship and persecution, who, who hear the tough things that God's kingdom calls for, and they remain sure. And they remain faithful. Because that new heart has heard the word, and it's gone down deeply, and it's convicted, and it's encouraged, and it's challenged, and it's shaped, and it's changed lives to live for God's kingdom now and forever. He wants us to live those sorts of kingdom lives in the face of difficulty, in the face of hostility, because it says something about the kingdom we belong to, and it says something about our King Jesus. That we belong to him. And he's changed our lives. And he's kept us certain and sure. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord God, we thank you for uh, the power of your word. We thank you that it convicts us, challenges us, excites us, enables us to reflect on our priorities. We thank you that we uh, live in a tradition that highly values your word. We pray, Lord God, keep us from being those who just love to hear and make us those who love to hear and do. May you enable us as your spirit works within us to respond, to change, to be changed, and to grow and to be shaped for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.